0: What would you say you do here? If you want to crown them, you crown their ass. You play to win the game. Brother, uh, do you know Kevin Kane from Crossing Broad? I do not know him. No. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a rainy and dreary and bleak day in the Philadelphia suburbs. But for Philadelphia Union fans, there's a ray of sunshine opening the clouds, parting the heavens and taking us to Salzburg in Austria, where homegrown product Brendan Aronson will be playing his soccer in the future. What a great way uh, to bring back the Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcast, a podcast for the people, for the hardworking blue collar lunch pail carrying five for five Philadelphia sports fan. I'm sorry that it took us so long to uh, get the studio rebuilt, get the suburban move going on. I had to live with my uh, in-laws for a couple weeks. I'm living out of boxes right now, but we got it all set up. We're good to go. We're recording. Philadelphia Union are winning. They're sending their players to Europe. All is, go- all is well. All is good. And I'm very happy to be joined by my Crossing Broad colleague, Rush Joy. Hey, fella. When you said uh, a ray of sunshine, I, I almost had to go
1: Tony Bruno here. Uh, I had fear of getting canceled. I didn't, but I was going to say, oh, I'm not Ray Gaddis, Not Ray <laughs> no, not. A ray of sunshine. <laughs> 610. Oh. This is a nice day. And by the way, I've already gotten questions from those who know that I'm a, a German speaker asking why Salzburg is being pronounced so strangely. It's Austrian-German. I think we're all going to have to have a learning moment. And uh, maybe we'll have to talk to Ernst at some point about it. But uh, yeah, Austrian-German, Swiss-German, very different the uh, the german they speak in bavaria very different did you know kevin there are over 100 different dialects of german that are spoken in germany i feel bad for brendan Aronson, this poor guy you know 19 years old he's got his brain is still pliable enough to uh, pick up another language so so you know this is
0: how he does this is austrian german knowledge <clears throat> that you're just not getting from any other program you know That's where right. where else would you go to learn about the different types of german as they pertain uh, to the Philadelphia unit. Now the question for you is what so he has to learn the German, he has to learn the Swiss German. Is that no, what no, no. Brandon's no.
1: No, I mean he's gonna learn something that's probably well, okay. So in theory you should learn Hochdeutsch, which is like the standard German. Okay. Right. It's high high German, right? Yes. Um, the version that he's going to learn is similar in a sense to like what would be spoken in, in southern Germany. Okay. So living. that's like, like Bavaria. Bavari- and Yeah. And,
0: yeah. It's okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, this has been so. your uh, geography lesson on the always soccer in Philadelphia program. That's a good exercise because we always like to do an exercise on the program and we'll get it out of the way uh, early in this one. But, um, no, for real, man, it's, it's funny. Cause it's probably, it's like a slow, um, Sports News Day, like Jamon Brown is starting for the Eagles, and Dave Yeager joined the Sixers staff. But like, honestly, the the, the biggest story is the union breaking the record for uh, you know transfer fee for a home a homegrown uh, American player, a kid who came through the academy um, and went through the ranks and whatnot. And uh, God, I mean, I guess, I guess you could start really anywhere with this, but I think I think you have to start with the fact that they got that much money for him. You know, when we were doing previous podcasts, you know, I think, I think somebody asked the question, like every time we did a podcast, uh, like every set of questions we asked, there was always a question, like, how much do you think Brendan's worth? How much do you think Mark is worth? And I would sit here and say, well, I don't, I don't think you take anything less than $5 million because what kind of precedent mm-hmm. does that set? You know, you're always, you're always trying to break that, that, uh, well, it's not a narrative and it's not uh it's not a stigma, but but this idea that like you can cheap out and low, low ball. MLS teams for American talent right I think they broke that mold because it's it's six million dollars this is according to Tanawald and other people six million dollars um, plus incentive of, of you know bonus incentives on top of that and then they get a 10 to 20 percent sell-on fee on top of that so I mean the low end of it it's six million dollars the best case scenario it's like maybe up to ten million dollars or something like that I mean that's that's incredible is it not
1: it is. Well, especially now that there was, uh, there's been word since this went down. I need to see if I can cite my source on this, because you know how we like to cite sources uh, at Crossing Broad and, uh, and on podcasts. There was a the thing that's already gone out, because one of the biggest clubs in Europe, of course, and, and the one that is arguably the best in, in the world, the one that I support, Real Madrid, they already, you know, the, the word was that they had been eyeing up Gio Reyna from... Borussia Dortmund, and the idea was that they're going to continue to now up their scouting in the U.S. And specifically, it was cited that Brendan Aronson is one of the guys that they had their eye on from a distance, but they didn't have a, um, a sophisticated enough network set up in the U.S. because in fairness, like prior to the last, let's say, four years, you had no reason to scout young American talent. In the, uh, In the rare instance that someone went on to go play abroad, you know, the the amount of time that they actually played was so sparse or they would play at such a small club that it, it wasn't necessarily the biggest deal. I mean, you can even think back to, I don't know, when Michael Bradley played for Roma. Like, that was a big deal, but that was a, a scouting job by somebody else, and then that put Michael Bradley kind of on the international uh, on the international scene in a sense. So now seeing the amount of good young American talent that's coming out, and a guy like Brendan Aronson, who otherwise could have gone totally unnoticed uh, by the European community, we're now seeing enough players now playing abroad where you can field a legitimate team that's going to have Champions League minutes potentially. That you're now seeing the biggest clubs in Europe starting to talk about wanting to scout heavier in the US and, and at younger ages, which I think kind of speaks to the importance of this move, not only for the Union, who break the record for uh, an MLS transfer outright, but you're now talking about bringing more legitimacy to the league. You're talking about bringing more legitimacy to the U S national team product. And what you're looking at is kind of a paradigm shift in the way that I think the world has looked at American soccer. And now it's no longer just a, Hey, this guy might eventually develop and, and end up somewhere, but it's, they're developing young players and you're seeing younger and younger players being poached from academies or from, MLS teams earlier and some outright just well, you know skipping the MLS entirely it's a good thing for the sport it's a good thing for know, MLS it's, it's good it's thing on, for is, soccer
0: isn't it crazy how like we went I feel like it, like overnight I feel like it was just yesterday that we were sitting here saying like the men's national team is a debacle they're total dog shit they're, they're a disgrace they've got no hope for the future all the women's team fans were like dunking all over the men's team because they couldn't do anything and now you've mm-hmm. got P- Pulisic who's starting for uh, Chelsea. You've got Weston McKennie playing for Schalke. You got Gio Reyna. <laughs> you, got you got Weston McKennie playing Brendan, for you. Brendan Aaronson transferred tra- 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 to to Salzburg. Like it's like overnight. It's like oh holy shit! Like our front four is all like playing in Europe now and like playing for good teams. You know. So I, I think the thing that specifically with Brendan that's interesting to me is that because there's there's been a lot of chatter about like well how like how good is the Austrian league and how good is Salzburg right? or however the fuck you pronounce it in swiss german whatever you're talking about earlier i love
1: how um, i love how mr geography here is having a hard time understanding the difference <laughs> between austria and switzerland just because
0: they're <laughs> neighbors doesn't
1: mean they're the same freaking no, 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 country
0: no, no. no i did no pre- i did like zero prep for this i just i i i've sent you like six sentences of things that we we're going to talk about but other than that i'm you did. kind of i'm kind that of in fairness like, that's more, more sentences than we typically have when we do I, a show so it's i know, I thing, know. i'm like living out of boxes i don't know where anything is i'm like totally scattered i'm in a new environment here but like the, it's funny because austria is the austrian league is not any better than mls okay right so so this it's it's similar really kind of like to to what a celtic transfer would be you know you had that celtic rumor with mark mckenzie where the thing that the thing that brendan gets about going to austria and i got a couple points i'm gonna touch on here and then i'll let you like react to that um salzburg is like always at the top of the league and plays in the champions league right so he's got an uh, opportunity to play champions league europa league soccer uh that's number one number two there are expectations there they are expected to win they have like you know they they the fans expect a lot from that team it's not necessarily the same for the union where like the bar is lower right so you go in yep. you have pressure on your shoulders to perform and win uh the thing the, the thing that makes it a perfect uh, fit for brendan is really three things obviously we all know about jesse marsh american head coach there uh comes from the red bull system uh can help him settle in as an english speaker and help him make the transition to a new culture and a new life right Ernst Tanner came from Salzburg he would not have transferred uh, a young player there if he didn't think that it would be good for him personally and if he didn't think he could make the transition if it wouldn't be a good fit for him and third obviously because Salzburg's part of the Red Bull family and so if you look at the sell on fee and you look at if the future that he has um you know if he plays well in Austria there's a transfer to germany waiting for him if he wants you know uh, leipzig schalke frankfurt freiburg something like that so that's really three things, uh, to me, why it's a really good fit for him. And then if you if you have concerns about it being a lateral move, you say, well, you kind of have an eye to the future, but then you also look at the Champions League, Europa League, and and expectations side of it, and that that sells it to me.
1: Yeah, well, see, I I, and I think you're right. I think a big part of this, the, the biggest difference, like Celtic to me is kind of what it is. I don't look at Celtic in the same way that I look at, at Salzburg, just because there's not that next level. There's not a a next step up. Like, so if we're going to say that comparative, um, if you, if you were to stack the two leagues up next to each other, they might be at a, at about even strength, but the difference is that there's no real path forward. Like once you're at, once you're a Celtic, like maybe you move on, maybe you get somebody's attention and, and you end up on a lower tier German team somewhere in the, or even in the spite of Bundesliga and you're trying to work for promotion or you know, maybe you somehow glom on with a, a lower level La Liga team. The difference here is that Red Bull Salzburg and Red Bull Leipzig are so interwoven together that you're you're almost giving your player, in this case, Brendan Aronson, has a legitimate chance to make that move to a team that is a, I don't know, you want to say perennial top five Bundesliga team? And if you stack up the top five Bundesliga team against the top five of any of the other leagues abroad, you can make a, a case that the Bundesliga is pretty damn competitive relative to, I'm, I would say, relative to La Liga. I would say relative to, to even the, the EPL. The, the amb- yeah, 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 to the just, EPL. Yeah. It's, it's far ahead of, of League N where there are really only any given year. There's, what, maybe three teams that are at least quasi-competitive in Champions yeah, League. So yeah, yeah. you look at, like, what's the higher ceiling move? Like, if Mark McKenzie ends up moving to Celtic at some point, like that's swell, and it's another good, you know, a, a big club that you're moving on to. But I don't know what the next step is for Aronson. You're getting your feet wet in European soccer. You're getting your feet wet in Champions League. You're you have a legitimate chance, I think, of seeing significant minutes there, getting yourself further exposure on the international level. And then, even worst case scenario, assuming that he has a a good stay in like, let's say the first couple of seasons with, with Salzburg, there's no reason to think that Leipzig doesn't at least take a look. And I think that by virtue of him also having an American coach that he gets to go to that has some, that has familiarity with Jim Curtin, especially, and with uh, the Philadelphia union, this is about as perfect of a move as you can have to get a 19 year old kid going the right direction. He's not being dropped into a foreign situation with a foreign coach that speaks a different language in a country that is not uh, an English-speaking in any way nation, right? This is probably the best kind of setup that he could possibly find himself in. So the chance of this succeeding is very high. Now it just kind of comes down to, you know, is is Brendan going to be able to crack into the squad, and is he going to be able to contribute in a way that Jesse Morris feels like he can, you know, continue to involve him in the game and that he doesn't get lost on the bench? Well, you have to think that the American's going to want to promote the American, right? You're going to think that he's going to want to get him into the
0: squad we'll see yeah 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 and they got to justify a six million dollar transfer fee now that's the other thing about having the transfer fee being as high as it is because if you paid 1.25 million dollars for brendan aronson the fans there would say well who the fuck cares if he plays or not but then it's like six million dollars it's like jalen hurts being a second round luxury pick it's like why'd you do that if you're not going to play him so there's more of an incentive more pressure on jesse marsh and management there to to bring brendan along and to play him to justify the money that they spent for him to go back to to so go back to Celtic, like the next logical step up from Celtic is like Southampton or yep. Everton or something like that. Okay, if you look at like where Vir, Virgil van Dyke's path, I know it sounds ridiculous because I'm not comparing Mark McKenzie to Virgil van Dyke, but van Dyke started but you're for comparing, Celtic. But you're comparing Mark McKenzie to Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> no, it's stupid because I know on Twitter I've made the comparison, like the, like the type of game that they play because they both have that kind sure. of – languid like slower relaxed kind of kind of play where they never look like they're in second or third gear at all but you know van dyke goes from celtic to southampton to liverpool you know and if mark mckenzie goes to celtic and he does well and then he goes to like everton like we haven't had a good track record of americans playing in the premier league like we we're not trying to have another breck situation you know ideally you want to go to Austria, to Germany, to wherever, right? I mean, that there. there's much more – I feel much – I would feel – if I gave you two scenarios, two different scenarios for two different union homegrown players, and I said Brendan Aronson's going to go Philadelphia Union, uh, Red Bull, Salzburg to, like, Leipzig in Germany. And then I said Mark McKenzie's going to go Celtic to, like, Southampton. Whoops, hang on, let me –
1: Oh, my God, you have a landline? That's the landline. That is the, uh, the official landline <laughs> of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, Kevin Kincaid
0: on the uh, schwartz K- <laughs> Cause people who actually do have landlines, like Simon Allen has a, has a landline and Peter Andrews has a landline. And like, so I record the podcast with them on the phone. Cause I'm doing landline to landline. It sounds perfect. Yeah. But anyway, so back to my, there's point. nothing
1: quite like uh, the change in your life of going from Fishtown and having people putting uh, <laughs> stickers on your card to, uh, to moving out to the burbs, tweeting out pictures of no, your no. backyard. And now the landline
0: interrupting the podcast. I know, I know I've like gone into a time Great. warp into like back into like 1997 or 1987 or yeah. whatever, whenever this house was built. By the way, I don't actually live in Lansdale. I found out that I live in Upper Gwinnett Township. So, uh, but if you oh, go that from, sounds even more uh, yuppie. <laughs> well, no, Lower Gwinnett, Gwinnett is the one where Lower Gwinnett is the one where the houses are like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So when you're looking on Zillow, like they don't even show up um, in that area because it's out of your price range if you go. So Upper uh, Upper Gwinnett. If you walk across the street, I'm literally in Menson Township, but we have a Lansdale mailing address. So there's your there's the
1: sounds like something that should be by Susquehanna. So you're.
0: Yeah, it sounds, okay. like a, it sounds like some Pottsville bullshit, like up, up where – Hey, hey, here. hey. No, but listen, so, like, if I gave you two scenarios and I said Brendan Aronson, like take, take away, like, take away the individual player. Like, just forget who Mark McKenzie is and forget who Brendan Aronson is for a minute. And I said, American player <laughs> goes from Union to Salzburg to Leipzig versus American player goes from, like, Union to Celtic to Southampton. Like, in a vacuum – based on prior precedent, wouldn't you say that the Aust- the Philly, Austria, Germany, 100%. Like, like, like pathway makes you more comfortable? Like you, feel, you feel more comfortable with that? It's not even close because
1: we've seen enough Americans go to middling EPL teams and get devoured or they go and, and like there's some level of development, but then it kind of peters out. Like a guy that I think of, like, DeAndre Yedlin, when he first made the move to the EPL, it was supposed to be this transformative move. It was supposed to be a transformative move to for, all of, for, for U.S. soccer. Yeah. And then look at what happened. Now, he's not a bad player by any stretch. Did he live up to the kind of hype that I think a lot of national team supporters expected him to? No, I don't. And so I think, like, once again, if, if you gave me the option between a bottom eight team in the EPL or a top five Bundesliga team, I would rather see American players go play for the top five Bundesliga team because at worst you're going to at least have Europa league experience in addition to whatever you're playing in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, and I would rather... take that every day because the, the level, again, it's the level of competition. And then even in that kind of a, a tournament, you are setting your, you setting sights of other clubs and of the world on a young American player who's getting minutes in either the Europa League or the Champions League, and it all it does is help the the U.S. product, and again, it helps MLS, it helps those respective clubs. So, yeah, I, I would absolutely go the Austria Germany route, than going the the Celtic to Southampton, as you said, route. Like because right, we, we don't both are good. Both are good, and like eight years ago, we would have been happier. We would have been happy with either, but realistically.
0: But it's this the importance, the, the better route, and the importance is keeping these guys within the system and making it streamlined and seeing like a like a very like definable and linear A to B to C to D. And what what was happening with these American players back in the day is like fucking, uh, you know, DeAndre Yevin would go to Tottenham. They would loan him to Sunderland. There was never really yep. any clear plan of what they wanted to do with him, and then he'd end up leaving. But he'd sign signed for Newcastle, you know. Like Mark McKenzie, I, what I don't I don't want to see happen with Mark McKenzie is some sort of like, okay, Celtic, we're going to transfer you to Southampton, and then Southampton loans him to like Blackburn in the Championship, and then it's like what the hell, you know? Because there's yep. not, you know, the English teams just don't have that kind of like defined pathway to what they want to do. You know, Chelsea takes all these dudes and then they loan them out to Vitesse for like three years. And then it's like, Oh wait, do I am, I, am I part of Chelsea's plans or am I not? You know, like the Red Bull system is all like very, like they, they just know what they want to do. They have an eye for the future and they're very pragmatic and they can, they can plan things out in advance. And so you just feel more comfortable sending a guy there, which ultimately, like you said, helps the U S national team. So the next question, and the or- oh, by the way, the, the, or- the organizational continuity you know, like the,
1: the plan that they have set forth between... Not institutional teams. arrogance. Not institutional arrogance. You won't hear about that on this podcast because <laughs> we believe in the front office of the Philadelphia they're Union. Like the because most, they're, they're, most well,
0: they're like the most well-run well team in Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> yeah, by a, by a pretty
0: significant <laughs> by a margin. Shot, by a long shot.
1: Uh, yeah. But there is that continuity. Like even if, if you are to make that move from, Leipzig, or from Salzburg to Leipzig, the, the organizational constructs are, are still the same. The general philosophy about the way that you play is more or Style less of the play. same. The, the, ide- the, the organizational ideals, like the, the constructs of the organization's philosophy are the same. So when you, when you don't have to relearn what the most important things are, both on and off the pitch for that team, that's one less thing that you have to think about. And that allows you to focus on the game on the pitch uh, you know, a whole lot easier. I would
0: think. Yeah. Um, so the, the the next thing here is it, it's funny because, you know, I put the story up on Crossing Broad and, you know, I try to spin it to non-soccer fans. It's like, hey, here's a local kid. It's a great story. The union are actually doing some good stuff. You know, you can feel good about a Philadelphia area success story. Right. And they always say like, well, if the the question is always like, well, if the kid's so good, why are you selling? Him? Right. And I mean, it, it just, it is what it is. I mean, we all know that that's a part of soccer. You know, Ajax sells, Arsenal sells, everybody sells. Um, the funny thing is, you know, you remember when Jay Sugarman came out a couple years ago and said, our entire budget for the year is $10 million, right? Okay. Well, they just sold mm-hmm. one, one player who compromises uh, 60% of their entire operating budget for the academy and the first team and everything, uh, 60% of one annual year. Right. So, yep. um, that's the, it's, it's just like the reality of what they're going to have to be. And the way Anthony Fontana is playing right now, he can slide right in and you don't miss Brent. I mean, I don't, not to, an asshole but like you don't really miss brendan at all and then you got his brother in the pipeline who comes up next so this is what they're doing they're establishing the pipeline they're casting the net they're pulling in all these guys and they're going to make money on the sale and reinvest the money the question is what do they do with the money now you know did they i joked about paving the parking lots right <laughs> they're not you know whatever the whatever the fuck that's not that important but it's like it's funny like you have the money a like, like that's the money for you know you could do, you could do all this this stuff you know you put it into transfer fees you put it back into the academy? Do you continue to upgrade the power training complex? You know, um, these things, ultimately the goal obviously is to get it to a point where we're keeping our best talent here instead of selling it. But in the meantime, the money that you make from these fees allows you to do all these things that make you attractive in the first place. So, um, I don't know what you do with the money. Look, if like Kai Wagner is set to probably leave soon, maybe lose Sergio Santos or Andrew Vooten or something like that. Um, I feel comfortable just putting Fontana in at the 10 or bringing Brendan's brother through and having him play at the 10. Eventually I might put the money into like an actual like DP quality striker. Um, But I, I, or maybe like try to, you know, find another left, put some money into finding a decent left back. um, And then try to reinvest the money in infrastructure if I could, but that's kind of my thing. I don't know if you agree with that. Well,
1: you have an issue with the infrastructure thing, which is if you remember a few months ago, the, the story had come out about how the union had been looking at potentially moving out of Chester at some point and into somewhere in the city limits. If that is part of the plan, like if that is part of the the team's 10 year plan or something like that, then I don't know how you could justify putting it in an infrastructure unless you're thinking that you're going to be able to sell off some of your, your assets eventually, if you're going to end up moving, I don't know what you do in that case. Um, I think in, in terms of like trying to make a case for getting players to want to come in on a free transfer and try to make yourself attractive in the same way that like New York or L.A. would be attractive, you have to have better facilities, which I think you know, the power training complex that they have is great. I do think that that's obviously a step up from what they used to have. The fields and everything near the stadium are nice. They're not world-class. I think if you wanted to, you could reinvest in that area a bit and try to continue to to upgrade things to make it seem like a, a better situation. But ultimately you're still in Chester, which is no offense to the the wonderful town of Chester, but like you're not your location is not such that you're going to be able to sell a guy on the idea of this being the lap of luxury. Robert now Peter's. if you have yeah, and so like if you have world class facilities and as a potential incoming target you say okay the area around it's not great but everything else about the team and the and you know what i'm going to have to work with from day to day is good then then cool here's an idea how about they use that money to charter the flights for the team like just set just set some money aside so right. that in a regular season when you're getting late in the season and you have Uh, you know, a hell stretch of going across the country. You don't have your guys flying on commercial jet on like commercial airlines. How about we do that? Like that's also, by the way, isn't this massive expense. So I think that there's a way to raise the overall quality of life for your players. And in a way continue to raise the profile, the team's performing on the field. The team is continuing. They've shown that last year wasn't a fluke. They've shown that they can continue to develop. They've shown that the system that Jim is running works that the talent that Ernst finds works and works within that system. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be a shame to see them take this $6 million and then say, okay, DP quality striker, and then that guy doesn't pan out because then it looks yeah. like it was all a waste. Yeah, the way I agree Ernst has been able to fill these roles in, in pretty frugal moves, unless it's a guy who comes in like Jamiro, shows that he fundamentally changes the way they play and raises the quality that much that you are then able to be competitive and buy this guy outright. I think if that's the way that this goes, where it's more of like a merit-based system, come in, prove you can do it, and then we'll pay you instead of let's throw out money in a big splashy signing where we can't compete with the likes of Atlanta or either of the LA teams or New York or the other New York. I think like if, if, if you continue with what you're doing, there's a way to use that money, but it doesn't all have to be in one splash that may or may not work. You need to try to take whatever kind of variability is, is there and any of the risk, and you need to mitigate the risk. So spread it across a bunch of different things. Continue to reinvest in the academy. You're finally yeah, seeing the fruits yeah. of that labor that we heard about for 10 years and didn't see much of. Well, it's, it's now in place. And if, if the idea here is that you're going to continue to promote more of your homegrown guys to the senior team, and you're going to be able to sell them off, maybe not for $6 million, but from, let's say, every other year, you're able to sell a guy for $1 or $2 million, and that's 10 or 20% of your operating budget, all of a sudden, you have a team that really is more of like the IAX model where you're developing internally and then you're selling off for ridiculous fees and that's going to fund the rest yeah. of, of what you're doing. Like, yeah. That's not a bad model, especially for MLS. It's okay. You don't need to have the big splashy signing and, and
0: still be competitive. I just want to make one more point about the Aronson and McKenzie thing before just like hitting on a couple of generic topics about how the union have been playing lately. But, you know, we always get this question like, well, okay, so if Aronson's worth $6 million now, how much is Mark McKenzie worth? Um, You know, I said on Twitter that I think if Aronson's worth $6 million and McKenzie's worth at least that much, but I understand that, you know, attacking midfielders, number 10, second strikers are harder to, come by than center backs right okay so the center backs transfer fees historically are lower than they are for strikers and attacking players and and whatnot you know um but I would say that I think Mark McKenzie right now is a better center back than Brendan Aronson is as a number 10 um and I think part of that is because of a there's a two-year age difference there right so I think Mark's Mark's in two years in soccer is an eternity especially if he has the Germans, you know, like it's two full years of development, a year and a half of development where some guy, where, you know, those guys are in the starting lineup by age 19. Right. So um, if we're considering that center backs aren't worth as much as attacking players and they're the part of the fee is the potential that Brendan has, then I still don't see Mark McKenzie being worth any less than $5 million. Um, See, I think he's, I think he's closer to three and a half, three and a half. I think. And this is, yeah, my bi- think- this is me being biased too because I feel like defenders yeah, have always been slighted. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. When Mark McKenzie scored that ridiculous goal that he scored the other night, even though it took a deflection, and Tommy didn't know that it took a deflection. He watched the replay three times. It didn't say this. Oh, it was
1: an absolutely marvelous goal there. You put the old onion in the onion bag from outside of the box.
0: He gave that celebration, like that muted celebration, just kind of waving the team back, like, you motherfuckers. Like, I got to come up here and score a goal, like, and save our butts and, like, salvage (laughs) a point in D.C. because you guys can't score enough goals. Like, that's the celebration that he gave there. I think young center backs are kind of undervalued a little bit. But, you know, if we have a $6 million um, plus sell-on fees plus incentives precedent for Brendan Aronson, I will will hereby amend – uh, my official um, number for which I'm not willing to go lower on Mark McKenzie, I would, I would not go any lower than 4.5 million. So
1: I, I think that what might eventually happen if he is sold off is it might be three and a half, but you might see a higher percentage on the next transfer fee.
0: Like a like, higher, I, I, like four, four yeah and a half, like four million <laughs> with like a thirty percent sell on fee or something. Yeah, that's a I think that might be. The, I
1: think that's. I think, that's the, I think that's the way that you're going to have to structure it, though. I don't know. Yeah. Because here's, here's, the, here's the question that you, you're going to have to answer at some point. So, Brendan's 19. He goes off for $6 million. Mark McKenzie, two years. Two years difference in age. Plays a position that most don't consider as premium of a position. It's not as splashy of a move. And the variance in terms of, like, ceiling and how much it, it really changes your team's ceiling might not be quite the same if your option is to sell him for three and a half million with like a 30% or a 25% um, fee on, on whatever future transfer fees uh, Celtic or whatever would get for him. And that's, that's what you have right now. Or you wait until next season and he maybe has an up and down season and there's no other suitor or like next year it's possible that like that number even drops further or the numbers flat, but the future percentage on transfer drops is Mark McKenzie a guy that you're happy to have on your team for the next three or four years, because you didn't strike while the iron was hot. Like, so the kind of, the of like drop an like between, Andre Blake. Kind of yeah. Like a, because like the a, guy, um, you know, it's not like you don't have other guys that could fill that position. Like I think that Glesniss and, and Elliot at, at worst for is fine, you know, either the remainder of the season or whatever, that's not a gigantic drop. You still have some internal options and you would hope that your Academy is going to be able to develop. And by the way, Finding a center back in MLS, I don't think is going to be as difficult as trying to find the guy to replace your number ten. Correct. So if that's if that's the idea, then I think you do have to sell while the iron and strike while the iron's hot. You you would almost be doing organizational malpractice to hang on to a guy and risk the possibility that that, that fee falls away. Well, to that's this point, is the, you're like making to your up. point before. Like imagine yeah. if it's three and a half or four million on the transfer. That means that the two guys that you sold off just paid for an entire season of yeah. of the team's operating budget. No, That's and I, hard to walk away from, especially for a team that doesn't have a massive infusion of cash. And Jay Sugarman isn't exactly like a sugar daddy, right? He's not, he's not Arthur Blank. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it'd be really hard for this organization to walk away from that if that's the number. And again, we don't know if it is.
0: Might be higher, might be lower. Who knows? But you're you're absolutely right. And you're kind of like bringing me back to the Andre Blake argument that I made for years on the podcast was that, look, the worst? if they don't sell him, uh, the worst case scenario is that you end up with a great goalkeeper for a long time. You know, But I was always looking at the money that I thought he was worth back then and how you could reinvest it in a team that needed money at the time. And I always base my argument on the fact that like, the one good thing that we, the one thing that we consistently produce in this country is goalkeepers. Yeah. You know, Cause we grow up playing sports with our hands and, you know, it's easy and we have, you know, naturally physically athletic and, and gifted kind of people. So I always felt if you could flip Andre for like $4 million or $5 million or something like that, and then reinvest the money somewhere else. You know, maybe you, maybe you have the power training complex built a year earlier, or maybe, uh, you know, the, there's more money put into the Academy right away, or maybe you win a U S open cup or something. I, I don't know. Um, but you're right. It's the push and the push and pull of that. I, I, the way I look at the center back situation is like, originally at the beginning of the year, I was like, well, Mark McKenzie's like one A, Jack Elliott's like one B, and Glesson's is like one C. Like I, I saw them as like interchangeable parts. The more I watch now, I think Mark McKenzie clearly is the number one center back, and I don't think there's much differentiation between Elliott and Glesson's at all. I mean, if it was up to me, and I was picking, if I had a playoff game and I could only pick two of them, I would start uh, McKenzie next to Elliott. But I wouldn't feel bad at all about playing McKenzie with Glessis or Elliott with Glessis. And we've seen Jim rotate rotate those guys um, as, as a trio, which is great. It's awesome to watch a, the union play every three days. They should, they should do this every fucking year. You know, instead of these seasons that go like nine months and you just keep dragging it out and you got to wait a week in between games because it forces, forces coaches to play, to rotate the squads. We see younger guys. You know, if they were only playing once a week, would we have seen Anthony Fontana? Would we have seen Olivier and Bizo before Ray Gattis got injured? You know, the fact that they're doing all these these crazy things with the rotation. Say, I say crazy. It's just basic squad rotation. But it, Jim Jim was historically stubborn and was always playing the same lineups. Now, in the last couple of games, we've seen Bedoya as a six. We've seen a double pivot with Jamiro and Bedoya playing in there. We've seen Matt Real get minutes. We've seen Mbazo on the field a lot, Andrew Vooten coming in and out. So, I think it's kind of forced, forced his hand a little bit because of the, the crunch of the schedule in a post-COVID world but I'm also kind of excited in general to see the gym is like willing to try different things and move pieces around, play Aronson as an eight, get Fontana in there, different stuff with the center backs. Um, It's definitely kind of been interesting to watch and they've, it's not like they've had a lack of success. I mean, they're still playing pretty well, even with all the changes they're making. By the way, I have to
1: update something from, uh, from what I let off with. I said that Madrid were the team that were uh, uh, thought of as, as eyeing uh, it was Barcelona and, and stepping up. It was It's Barca. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So I Barca. Barca I, no, I think I said Madrid. I just wanted to make sure that I uh, clarified that before the, the rest of uh, Los Blancos fans are getting excited. I don't know what I would do if Ferenson if moved on to uh, Basura Lona, as I like to call them. Basura in Spanish is trashed. So Basura Lona. Uh, I don't know if I could support Brennan there. I, I don't know.
0: Is it a requirement it, whenever you come on the podcast, is it a requirement for you to flex how many languages you speak? I think every time you know. come on here, you say, I speak Spanish. I speak German. Uh, obviously you speak English. Is there anything else that you speak besides those? My Italian is pretty good. I wish you, you guys could see that on video because Rush just took like a huge sip of a, uh, it looked like the Kermit the Frog meme, like he's sipping tea or something. I got I got him like in mid drink there. Um, the best speak- thing
1: too is I made my made my coffee today in the violetti, the uh, the little thing that you put on the stove. You know what I mean. The coffee uh, <laughs> percolates up through.
0: Yeah. Made yeah. in
1: Italy. Incredibile. Go ahead. So here's, here's
0: here's what we're gonna do, and this is crazy, but um, I'm like really itchy to get out and like be back to normal life with after COVID. Like it's not I'm not it's not that I'm not taking COVID seriously. Like you know we wear the masks and we do the social distancing. We're trying to like follow all the rules and stuff like that. But I have a huge backyard now, which is amazing here. We stumbled into a really, really good place, a really cool place, and just kind of lucked out that we ended up getting it. So knock on wood, uh, we were pretty fortunate with the way it ended up. Actually, I should tell this. Should I tell the story of how we got the house? I think you should, because it's, uh, I, should. I, I think it, it's, <laughs> it, it, there is no
1: other time in history where this would have happened except like the, the uh, Spanish uh, blue.
0: I wasn't telling you know I wasn't telling a lot of people before because I didn't want to jinx it like because we hadn't closed on the house, we hadn't sent documents and stuff like that. but we came up here to Lansdale and the reason we wanted to move up here is because um, uh, my wife Sarah still has to work in the city. She's, she's working from home currently, but she's going to have to take the train probably back eventually at some point. So we wanted to move out in the suburbs, but we needed a place where she could take the train. And so the land's down North Wales train is right down there. Right. And I have family in Gilbertsville still, and she has family in Perkisey and in um, Churchville and Bucks County. So it's kind of like a central location for us. Uh, but we came up here, we found a place that we liked, we put in, put in an offer for it. We didn't get the offer. They took another offer instead. Right. So about four or five days later after that, uh, our real estate agent calls us, and she says, "Hey, are you guys still interested in the the place across from North Penn High School? We're like, we're like right off of three sixty three Baxter." Hey, it's all right, man. Sorry, right. he's scared <laughs> with the rain. Baxter's in here too. Um, I
1: just like that you give so much information that like your identity, like stealing your identity would be so simple at this point. But go ahead, continue. Oh, it's here, okay, I don't on.
0: think any of my listeners want to steal my identity. Right? My we're all, we're all friends, my high right? school. My high <laughs> school mascot was. Bana. I met my wife at. <laughs> no, we're right off three sixty three near North Penn, but um. So the real estate agent calls us back and says, Hey, there was a problem with the original sale of the, of the place. Um, if you guys want to resubmit and put your offer back in, I was like, okay, well, what the hell happened? And she said that uh, it was, there was, there's a family living here and there's two kids who were getting ready to go off to college. And uh, they both had just graduated from high school. Right. And I guess what happened was one of the kids went to a party or there was a house party or something like that. And the kid came back and he wasn't feeling that well. And he um, tested and he came down positive for COVID. So um they had to pause everything with the original real estate transaction you know 14 days quarantine and uh they couldn't do the inspection and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what happened but the original buyer got spooked or uh was like scared of covid or maybe they just couldn't work on the the delayed timeline that they would have had to work on but the real estate deal fell through. And uh so they asked us if we wanted to resubmit and we resubmitted and they took our offer on the second try. So the ultimate <laughs> the ultimate irony is that COVID, which was making the market so shitty and driving up prices in the suburbs because a lot of people were trying to get out of the city. Uh, there was, the COVID, which was driving up the market in the first place, ended up getting us our dream house because it scuppered the first real estate deal that, um, that the seller was trying to do. So that's the only reason. I think I told you there. at
1: the time, uh, <laughs> my wife said that you should offer them 19000 less and call it the COVID-19. But I don't think he did
0: that. I don't know if he would have gotten the house with a, that kind of yeah. discount. But that was funny. We were watching stuff go for like 15K over, 20K over. You know, it was all oh, right yeah. because we, we we knew that we were going to move. We talked in January, or February about moving because you know, our, our daughter is like 18 months now. And we're just like, well, we're stuck in a box in the city. I don't work in the city anymore except for the Sixers game. So it's really, I'm paying, you know, the 3.8% tax. to just sit there in my house and work from home every day. So why am I doing this? Yep. You know? And then COVID, COVID hit in March, and then a lot of the rioting and, and looting and stuff like that was centered up and down Aramingo, and we had this stuff going on at the 26th Police District in Fishtown, and then our um, our for sale sign went up like two days after the demonstration in front of the um, police precinct with the baseball bat guys, the Fishtown baseball yeah. bat guys, and the Antifa that wasn't really Antifa, and so I just felt like a dipshit because the for sale sign went up on our house like two days after all the rioting and looting. I didn't want people, I would, didn't want our neighbors to get the wrong message and think that we were like anti-BLM and trying to like get the hell out of the neighborhood or something. like that was, that was planned like months in advance. We were, and we were interested in just moving to the suburbs, have like a backyard and be closer to family and stuff like that. So uh, my favorite, my are. favorite
1: story that, uh, that, that you told from, uh, from back in this moving, cause this is, yeah you know, this is obviously relevant to soccer is, uh, when you were doing open houses, like to give people an idea, your house, the way that it it was set up was, what was it, four floors? And then you had like a beautiful rooftop area. But like there were stairs. It's four floors and it's in Fishtown. So like clearly there are going to be stairs and that there was a couple who came out to check out your house and they were older and they were like, we can't do stairs. (laughs) Like how (laughs) as a real estate agent do you set up viewing a, a house that you know is set up to be four floors? Obviously there's no elevator right? Yeah, like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I waste was of everybody's time, but you no. Know, my, my wife and I were looking at each other like, what the hell is that? Cause there was a pain in the ass, you know? Cause like the, the weird thing about showing your house during COVID was like, it's not like we could just go to like a, a restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that because they're all closed and <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no indoor stuff. So we had to put Baxter in the car with Cammy or we just had to go walk around the block for like 45 minutes we went down to like Penn treaty park a couple of times and just kind of sat there with the dog and the baby while people were in our house. Cause we couldn't go anywhere else. But yeah, it was funny that people would be looking at a three story row, four story row house in Fishtown and uh, had a problem with the stairs. Not, not thinking yep. that, that would have been a thing when they looked at it, but, but now we're, we're happy to be out here. You know I mean? I, I have a nice big sloping backyard. I had that grand plans. I was looking at the thing. I'm like, I could put a projector screen up out here and I could have 50 always soccer and Philadelphia listeners union fans out here and we can do a big party at some point. Like, Possibilities are endless, but uh, well, you're gonna have to get the 39 fans to get 11 more so you can fill it. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to up our we'll have to get our uh, numbers back up now that we haven't done a show in two months, but uh, no, thanks again, everybody. The thousands for of, I appreciate it's always that. soccer and Philadelphia fans, you the know? lead, the legions of Philadelphia Union fans. Um, so how much, how much time do you have left? I got some questions. Here I have time, I have okay. time. Let's get through some questions here because it's a podcast, uh, for the people, by the people. Um, Jared Remster says, what are your thoughts about the handball rule? I know by letter of the law that Ollie's handling was a PK, but his back was turned Did they ever go back to intent or is it just going to be a shitty rule? I think it's a shitty rule. Um, I think I've said before that I would love to have replaced all handballs in the box with indirect free kicks where you still get a yellow card for it, but we're just these, yeah. these cheap penalties where people like chicken wing it or they got their backs backs turned or the, the balls like pinged at them like a hundred miles an hour. Um, yeah, the way they just can't do anything. I, I would love to remove that because it's something that's that's so hard to avoid, but it's, it's such a pivotal moment in the game. You know, indirect free kicks are fun too. Remember the right. Michael Far Michael Farfan indirect free kick where he roofed it against Chivas. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more of that. So that's always yep. been my thing. Um, there's some. I just want to make sure I don't go over anything that we already talked about. Um, John Nagy says over under on how long until you tweet about your homeowners association the way that you did about the PPA. <laughs> 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 there's no homeowners association but i can i can hear the north penn band playing so that's the, there's no fireworks there's it's no a good play. band
1: it's a very good a program
0: they're practicing like every night i heard them the other night at like 8 45 at night i'm like the north penn band is out here playing at like 8 45 at night what's that all about um i gotta double check i might oh i do know their band director i, I also, I asked, anyway, I also asked i also ask. i also ask people to share their favorite uh three six mafia song and um uh, Bray. It's, is, it's Bray, right? Do I have it right? Am I, I saying your name? I don't know if it's Brian or Bray. Uh, he says, uh, he's got to go with pop in my collar as uh, his favorite three, six mafia song. That's on my Mount Rushmore of uh, three, six mafia songs. Uh, John Tannenwald says you may have a driveway, but I go to Trader Joe's uh, and back in less than one dishwasher cycle. Oh, good for you. Uh, you gotta great. get that soundboard up and running as Christian Bale. Yeah. once to, um, let me see here. Uh, what This is from Pretzel Life. What does Jim see in Vooten? Um, I don't know. He doesn't have any does other options. Of, well, yeah. I mean, now you got Corey Burke back. Is anybody going to make a case uh, for. Uh, anybody? Gonna, can, can you make a case for bringing in Andrew Vooten before Corey Burke off the bench?
1: I don't know. Can I be honest with you? Like, mm-hmm. Corey Burke to me is a, is a kind of a waste. He's a waste? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big Corey Burke believer. I mean, in terms of a guy who can come in off the bench who I think he's okay, yeah. I feel like we've we've already seen the best that he has to offer, which is okay, but I don't think that he's a – he's not a, a difference maker. I don't think. I mean, maybe he will be
0: at some I point, but I think – like, I agree. I agree. Like he's, a, he's,
1: a, he's, a, he's a serviceable sub in at forward if you're looking to – try at the end of the game to maybe switch to three in the back and, Corey and might be able to finish sometimes like he he tries it's just like I don't think he's like Fafa Pico to me he's like the the equivalent of Fafa like a, a solid enough MLS player who I would prefer to probably see as a 70th minute sub and not
0: much more Corey I don't think is a waste but I think he's just a, a guy I don't think he's any better or worse than cashper or andrew Voot. i think the difference between him and Vooten is Vooten is like a hold up play typical like traditional center forward Corey does have a killer instinct then he'll go up and attack balls and try to try to be dirty inside the box and like get those kind of goals so i'd rather see him and Vooten coming off the bench, I think at this point yeah waste
1: um, was a little bit waste was a little bit harsh on my part no, just, no I know what you're saying, but you, he's just you,
0: he's like there. you weren't saying you that know? he he himself is a waste as a player, but I don't think he he's anything special or different or or, or unique. I, I don't think he like comes back to Philly and fills a need something that they don't have right now
1: you know I would rather see the team develop an academy product and have that spot in the team's 18 go to a homegrown kid to see what somebody has to offer, because I think we yeah. already know what Corey Burke is. And I don't think that he's a, he's a difference maker.
0: There's two questions here. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but they're asking if, uh, you know, when the, when Aronson leaves, do you try to go like the Doge call, Maidana, Barnett around, and bring in an exciting new number 10, or do you hand it to Fontana and um, Aronson's brother? I think we were probably in agreement that we do the latter.
1: I like Fontana. How many times did I did I say over the last year, of popping on the show with you that I liked Fontana and I wanted to find a, a way to get him time. I think Yeah. It, it is not inconceivable to me that you could play him at the 10 and at some point in the next two years he can he can get you a transfer fee. What? I think he's I think he's a talented enough kid. I don't know if his ceiling is as high as Aronson's is, but I do think that Fontana is a a really solid player for your team and he? he's shown an ability to finish. Like he he finds spots, right? Like the one dirty goal that he had down inside of uh, inside of the six, like that's a solid finish. That Ugly he has ass. In, he has himself. Yeah himself in the right position to score. He knows – he just kind of has like a nose
0: for where the ball has to go in order for it to finish. And like That's like the ultimate – that goal the other night was like a top three shitty, greasy, bullshit Philadelphia Flyers-looking goal in Union history. Hey, like, hey, hey. like do you, I don't know. I, this might be like going back way too far, but there was one in the very first year where Alejandro Moreno basically like stumbled forward 10 yards and had two guys on him and basically fell over and bundled the ball – into the net shannon williams had had another one like that where he basically like fell fell into the goal with the ball and uh zach pfeffer i think scored with his ass uh he after did, yeah. like uh eric iok like took a shot from like a half a yard out and it hit him in the rear end and it went in so well maybe that's a story for another time maybe maybe for the next podcast i'll ask people to tweet me your favorite shitty union your shittiest union goal of all time Um, Chris Wondolowski
1: couldn't finish. He couldn't finish that goal in the world cup, but we've learned that young Anthony Fontana could.
0: The thing about Fontana is that interestingly enough, like early on in his career and whenever he would come up on this show, we would talk about how we didn't know if he was a 10 or an eight, like he was kind Mm -hmm. of a tweener. And really like, honestly, he's neither one of those things. He's, he's more, he plays the 10 like Roland Auburn played the 10. Okay. Where he's not going to get on the ball a ton and he's not really like a connector or anything like that, but he's more like a second striker where he's just going to sit yeah. in the pocket. He's going to get on the ball. He looks to shoot. And, uh, you know, as Flyers fans, well, no, you need somebody. who's just going to shoot. <laughs> and that's what he does. You know, you know it's what? Like he, just, he just wants to, like, he just wants to pick up loose balls. He wants to sit there, like, right at the top of the box, like 18 to 20 yards out, and he just wants to let fly, and he's scored a bunch of bangers. I would want to see what the team
1: looks like. I, you know, he's, the, anti, an eight he's eight. the
0: anti-Jake Voracek. Oh, wow. Wow.
1: Okay. So he, so he, you're saying he doesn't search for his own name on Twitter and block everybody who says anything negative, like uh like little old Jake, I'm blocked by Voracek, by the way. I don't remember ever saying anything negative about him, but yeah, he blocked me. Um, I think that it would be interesting to see in the next year or so, maybe grooming Fontana to, to occasionally play forward. I mean, if there, if there were, a, this is where we come into like the, the Burke discussion if you were able to fill uh, the number 10 role or like say next year, you think that there might be a path to getting Aronson's brother um, or you go out and you, you acquire somebody that you want to play that role. I'd be more interested in seeing Fontana play up top with Shabilko than having Corey Burke do it. Because again, I think we know the ceiling of Corey Burke, but I don't know, like maybe, Maybe if you put Fontana in that position, maybe you've now unlocked another way for him to utilize his skill set and you've actually made him a more valuable player for your team. And then again, if in a year or so, he continues to perform at a high enough level, then it stands to reason that maybe somebody would be interested and there would be a transfer fee out there for him. So,
0: um, Coco Jambo says his uh, favorite 3-6 Mafia songs are Doughboy Fresh and Gotta Stay Fly. Uh, my Mount Rushmore of three, six mafia songs is uh sipping on some scissor uh, who run it is on there. I would put pop in my collar on the Mount Rushmore and uh, my Mount Rushmore of three, six mafia songs would conclude with side to side, uh, which is a dance song for people who don't dance uh, wow. as they say, as they say in the beginning of that song. Um, what else do we have? here? I was, we got a I was lot surprised of
1: questions. Go, uh, not, not a uh, hard out here for a pimp.
0: Little- yeah, I, and you know, Stay, stay, Fly. stay Fly too was kind of like, I don't know, it was a little commercial. It was like kind of more like an MTV song, but it was less of that like Memphis kind of gritty, like Southern hip hop, UGK kind of stuff. I love that old school, like uh, old outcast, old ludicrous, three, six mafia, UGK uh really really early cash money stuff like that like this mm-hmm. grimy gritty before all those atlanta rappers started doing all this bullshit like just this, these crappy beats and crappy songs and stuff like that like pimp c bun b all those dudes um i got i mean every question here is about aronson obviously i mean i think we covered all of the uh all of the angles <laughs> the stuff with that oh you know what here's i do let's end on this um because we we did have there, there was a lot of talk about jamiro Montero. Or the last couple of weeks, and uh, Pete says my opinion of Montero has steadily decreased this season. From him being a B plus to just thinking he's an average player on most days, um, is that assumption crazy? I think his decision making, especially on the ball, is extremely poor, and he doesn't utilize his technical skills. But well. you know what? He had a good game in the uh, Cincy win. And in this past game, he was just kind of meh. The thing that drives me crazy about Jamiro, and this is kind of niche, but I I mentioned this on Twitter the other night. If I have to see him do that fucking right footed rollback one more time, I'm going to like lose my mind because, you know, it's like a, um, it looks like Cristiano Ronaldo shit. And what happens is he gets on the ball, he pauses, he faces up the defender, then he rolls it back on his right foot and he rolls it forward again. And it's just kind of an empty move. Like it's a vacuous move. It's it's a filler move and it's a crutch move. And what he does is that it's kind of like a a a twitch or a habit that he does when he's trying to pick out his next pass. Like he doesn't know what he where he wants to go with it next. And I hate it because Jamiro's really, really, really good. And he's way too good to be doing that kind of stuff and just like wasting those movements. He's an elite connector. I don't know if he's really like a playmaker. And when you look at him for three million dollars and think like, hey, you know, they don't have the chance creation that they had last year with Fabian and Madunian in, like you put the, you put that on this guy's shoulders and maybe that's not what Jamiro is. Maybe he's just an elite connector, you know, on a team, like a Darlington Nagby kind of dude uh, on a team that needs to have another, uh, a playmaker, you know, so maybe it just, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we certainly are justified in feeling disappointed about Jamiro's performances. Um, but, you know, more than one thing can be true. And I think, you know, we're discovering that that's just not really what kind of, Player, he is. He's not going to give you elite chance creation.
1: Well, I know that, you know, I, I know that everybody's playing under the same parameters. But I think, like it, it's still important to point out that, like, this was not a normal off season, and it's not a normal season. And I think that, like, before you totally sour on a player, you need to kind of keep that in mind. I think, like, next year, assuming all goes well, assuming the world returns to some semblance of normal, and you're able to, to, you know go through your your typical off season and you're able to go through your your typical ramp up uh prior to training camp prior to the season then then I think it's fair to evaluate but like the guy hasn't lost his skill overnight he's he still has as much uh or more technical skill than anybody on the team and like okay if the if the results aren't there in terms of like the score sheet at the end all right like you can you could say that for 3 million dollars you should be getting more out of him but you're right like you you still need players that are able to connect each third. Right. And if you don't have a, a guy who's able to connect the defensive third to the offensive third in a meaningful way that also brings again, like optionality or variability where it's not the same move every time it's not the same, try to cut outside, get down to the corner, cross in the, this guy has a variety of skills maybe the team hasn't done as well this year in adjusting to the increased role for Brendan Aronson. And maybe with a, another off season uh, off season's worth of working together, maybe you start to see better chemistry and you start to see the, the same Jamiro that you saw a year ago. I don't know if that's the case right now. I don't necessarily think that he's lost his ability. I just think it's it's a weird set of circumstances and he's by no means bad. You're just not no, seeing no. you're just not seeing the same level of production that you thought you would see. This is this is t- to, t- t- you know who, to criticize that.
0: You know but. who Jami- Jamiro is because we love making cross sport comparisons on this show. J- Jamiro last year was Tobias Harris with the Clippers. I knew you're I knew you're going to say that. Yep. And this this year he's Tobias Harris with the Sixers, you know. Yeah. Good player. It needs certain guys around him and and it has to play in a certain system. So, I mean, it is what it is. Listen, not to end on a negative note, because right now it is a fantastic time uh, to be a Philadelphia Union fan, wherever you may be. Brendan Aronson sets a uh, homegrown transfer record. Uh, Philadelphia Union 1.94 points per game is the second in the entire league. They're playing really, really well. Uh, coming out of COVID and the Orlando tournament and all that shit. Uh, Fans are back in the stadium. You guys sounded great the other night. It's nice to not have to deal with, uh, you know, empty stadium and all the sort of bullshit. It's a shame that, you know, they're having their best season ever and nobody can be there to see it. But we're going to try to enjoy it nonetheless. And there will be many more uh, Always Soccer in Philadelphia podcasts coming your way. Um, We've got a lot of plans lined up for the future, and uh, we'll get everything – all settled and set up here. So, uh, Russ, thank you for, uh, thank you for joining and, and restarting, uh, the, the program with me and I will uh, leave you with the final thought if you have one.
1: Well, I was going to say, I, I have a letter, a word that ends in the letter a that I wanted you to try.
0: Oh yeah. We didn't do, you know, it's, that's a, contra- this it's a is controversial a controversial <laughs> segment. Some people don't it's- seem to get to get, uh, you know, what we're trying to do there. Um, but i think this is this is what I'm, this is the offer that i'm going to make to people how about we only do the words that ends in letter a when russ is on the program and i will i will end i will end the segment entirely if we can get a british uh, english speaker or an or an aussie uh, to do the segment with us if we can get somebody from Aust- australia or england to do the segment with us or brett brown then, it's time to get it's time to get Tommy on the program. I think that's really what this comes down no, to. No, no, it's it's not it's not time to get Tommy. Again, I don't want people to think I'm like all insidious and like making it personal. I have nothing personal <laughs> against Tommy Smith. I just don't think the guy does any homework and doesn't know like any doesn't add anything like interesting on the tactical side of the game. He's just sitting there to say, like, "Well, this is a foul and that's not a foul." And this guy's wide open and that guy's not wide open. Like anybody mm-hmm. could anybody could do that, you know. So all right, Kevin. So let's here. end on a positive I'm, note. I'm, hit, a positive
1: here, I'm going I'm to hit you with three. This is the country that Brendan is going to be playing in. <laughs>
0: okay. uh, he's going to Austria. The capital of Austria is? <laughs> well, they make a special type of sausage there, I think, right? It is Vienna. This is the southernmost Austrian state. But there are different states in Austria? Yeah like there are different like segments of, of course the, like, like provinces of course into.
1: the uh yes of course the uh, southernmost austrian state as i'm sure everybody is yelling out at, at home corinthier corinthier corinthier
0: yes that's it you're <laughs> welcome not not that not is... not corinthians right no 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 nope. <laughs> oh, not corinthians okay. right. well next on the next podcast we'll talk about nba players and
1: Tobias whether, Harris. Whether
0: they No, nah, never mind. I won't go there. I like Tony. If we, I, I,
1: if you put Jamiro Montero on the Sixers, would he get better floor spacing? For I think I still, think I, I
0: still think I still think the best player comparison, cross sport player comparison that we've ever done on the podcast is Ray Gaddis to Cesar Hernandez. We also yeah. did Ray Gaddis to Ben Simmons too, which was ridiculous. But um, yeah, he's never going to win you a game, but he's never going to lose you a game. Yep, he, he is Cesar Hernandez. He's All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> yes.
1: right. He's Jordan Mailata. That's right. Left tackle of the future. Let's go. By the All way,
0: right. let's get it back can to we, the Eagles. Uh,
1: yeah, let's get back to the Eagles. Can we get Jason Peters' uh, bonus money for playing left tackle? Can we give that to Jordan Mailata? Ah, uh, Mailata. All right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>
0: Jordan, yeah, Jordan Myelotter. Uh, well, we're gonna re, we're gonna restart crossing broadcasts as well. So if you hear want to hear Russ rail about um, Jason Peters and uh, Howie Roseman and institutional arrogance, <laughs> we'll try to get one of those up in a couple of days soon. So we're covering all the sports here in Philadelphia or Lansdale, should I say, or uh, Upper Gwynedd, actually, I should say. So thanks everybody for your patience. We got another podcast up. We're gonna get this train rolling, rocking and rolling once again. Uh, Philadelphia Union: ten wins, three losses, five ties. We are going to the Playoffs?